Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Microsoft has the best calculator on iPad. So Microsoft is completely free. That's the first thing. No ads, no in-app purchases. It has algebra, fractions. It has every scientific program I can think of. And so you can scan, like in PhotoMath, which is a really popular app I know students will use on iPhones, where you can scan a problem and it'll tell you how to do it. It has that functionality in there, as well as drawing. So it works with Apple Pencil. You can draw out your problems, and it will it will it will recognize the right handwriting and give you the answer based off of that. And then it has your normal scientific calculator functionality, which is amazing. If you need a calculator on iPad, I really recommend taking a look at it. Welcome back to another episode of iPad Pros. I'm excited to bring you the first part of a lengthy discussion I have with Jonathan. Jonathan is a 10th grade student up in Toronto, Canada, who gets all his work done on the iPad. We discuss what this was like before the pandemic and now in the pandemic with virtual learning. He also runs a relatively new YouTube channel, and in the next episode, we will discuss the workflows and tools he uses to get those videos done on the iPad. Before we dive into the discussion, I just want to thank everyone for downloading and tuning in to this episode. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month over at patreon.com slash iPadPros. Every dollar really does go a long way in helping with the production of this podcast. If you currently are having the past support the podcast there, you have my great thanks and gratitude. You can also support the podcast for free just by opening up the Apple Podcast app and leaving a review. Every review is incredibly important and helps to provide Apple the right signals to show this podcast more in search. If you haven't left a review yet, I'd really appreciate just a few minutes of your time doing just that. Just head over to Apple Podcast, find the show, and leave a review. With that, here's the first part of my discussion with Jonathan about what it's like using the iPad as a high school student. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jonathan. Can you first introduce yourself and what your current iPad setup is? I'm Jonathan Kaplan. I'm a grade 10 student in Toronto, Canada. The, the hub of my iPad setup is the fourth generation iPad Air, which I've been using an iPad since I was nine when my dad got me for my birthday the original iPad Air. And then I got the second one when he needed to take my over old iPad Air and then put that in his office because he needed an iPad to do some like payment and registration stuff. And I've been using an iPad ever since then. And it's one of it's one of it is my favorite technological device. I also am a YouTube content creator who has started last month as of the time of this recording with a channel called iOS at work. Cool. So uh, original iPad you had was the first Air, then the second one was the iPad Air 2. Is that right? Yeah. And then the sixth generation iPad Okay. in 2018. And then I pre-ordered the most recent Air and I got that in October. Okay. Yeah. So you've had every Air except the third, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. What was the third? I kind of forget that one. Third one uh, basically took the 10.5-inch iPad Pro and then scaled that down. So it was the addition of Apple Pencil support, the smart connector, the 10.5-inch display, yeah. the laminated two-tone, all that stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what about the iPad clicks with you? Like, Why do you like it over other tech? What I love about it over other technology, firstly, I think t- I've had tablets were my first piece of tech. So before the iPad, I had a Nexus 7 for a year or two. Okay. Uh, my dad got that for free when he signed up with Rogers, I think, maybe. 
And then since then, we switched to Bell. But I've always had some tablet in my life. So that, that form factor of doing anything really clicks with me. And I think I love iPad for as specifically as my favorite type of tech for multiple reasons. One is portability. So obviously, as a student, I have to be portable. And this iPad Air is incredibly portable. And I haven't had like a 12.9 inch iPad. So I've never really seen what that size looks like in person. But I can say that the 10.9 inch at least is super, super portable. The second reason is versatility. So the iPad, as we all know, can be so many different things, right? If you have, a ta- if you have nothing with it, just a tablet, keyboard and trackpad makes it a laptop, the Apple Pencil makes it a canvas, a monitor makes it a desktop, a mic can make it a recording studio. It can do so many things that as opposed to a laptop or a phone, it's that perfect middle ground for getting things done in the way that you want it to be done. Also, uh, simplicity and familiarity like iOS It's very familiar, so if you get one, you get the other. I'll also say app support. The one million apps that Apple loves to advertise is a really good set of apps, right? We have the Pixelmators of the world, LumaFusion, Craft, MindNote, all of these great apps that were made for iPad, almost like it was made for it first and then ported other places. So you know there's that attention to detail. Fun factor, obviously. And then the last thing is because the multitasking is really simplistic, mm-hmm. with slide over, split view, and then full screen, as opposed to the multi-window that we have on Macs and Chromebooks and Windows PCs, makes me focus on one task easier because it's, it's harder to switch between. And so that really helps me hone in on my schoolwork. Gotcha. Yeah. And what other computers do you have in the house or have you used in the past? Like, is it was Chromebook something you used at school ever or what kind of setups have you had? Yeah. So my mom and, uh, and I as well, we make the joke because my dad, uh, he's kind of made it an Apple store in the sense that it's just Apple products everywhere. I have with me um, recording the, the audio for this episode. I have a MacBook Air from 2015. It's a lot slower than my iPad Air for one thing, which is kind of funny, but I use it for two very simple things, recording audio and then Zoom calls uh, mostly. But I've also used a Mac Mini in the past, and I've used parents' computers when I need it for very niche things. I haven't really used a Windows PC or a Chromebook before. Never appealed to me. I don't think they ever really will. Uh, I just find I've tried Windows at school obviously, because Windows is often a cheaper alternative to Apple devices. And I just don't really get Windows 10. It feels very complex to me. And I've seen what Chromebooks can do, and it's way too limited for the for my workflow. So we're going to get... I want to have you on mostly to talk about school and like what it's like in high school with technology these days, because it's a lot different from when I went through school. But before we get to that, so original iPad Air wasn't... Uh, like designed for keyboards and stuff, and they've slowly added that in the pencil and stuff. What are some of your favorite accessories now on your fourth generation iPad Air? Some of my favorite accessories, it very much uh, varies dependent on where I am. Desktop versus mobile for me is two very different experiences with iPad. I think we can all say that. So when I'm mobile, my keyboard case of choice is the Folio Touch, which is nice. It has a trackpad with the, with the drivers for the multi-touch gestures, has a function row 
backlighting. It can hold my Logitech crayon, which I use instead of an Apple pencil. And it's also really good for protection, which as a student, I would like to keep my $800 iPad Air Canadian relatively safe. Yeah. So I like having a nice case that can really hold that with protection. Again, as I said before, Logitech Crayon, I got that when I got the 6th Gen iPad Air. It was a gift from the, during the holiday season that my father gave me because I was starting to use my iPad a lot more around that time. Do you still have your old iPads around? So they've all been sold. So okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about the Crayon and be able to just hot swap between two iPads with one yeah. Crayon. Which so is cool. I can say using that, it's pretty good. I would have to say it's pretty good. You do have to turn it on and off though in between because it will connect automatically to the first iPad that you touch it with. Okay. And then when you turn it off and then turn it back on and you touch a different iPad, then it will use that one and not the other one. I think that's how it works. Yeah, it won't hot swap between them in a single power cycle. It won't automatically hot swap. Gotcha. But the Logitech Crayon as a student stylus, it does everything that I need. If you have an older iPad, right, that has lightning, the fact that it's A, not plugging in super weirdly into the iPad is nice, but it also uses lightning. I know as in now that I have the air in USB-C, it sucks. But if you have an older iPad, having that one cable just to charge the iPad and the pen is a nice touch yeah. in my opinion. So I think that's something you can absolutely take advantage of. You could also charge the crayon from an iPad Air if you have a USB-C to lightning cable, right? That's true, yeah. So yeah. iPad iPad with USB-C does have a charging output, which is nice. What I think is also really nice about that crayon, which is underrated, it's flat. And desks and tables and classrooms are have an angle to them, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Not necessarily that, but like if you ha- leave your iPad on, on the desk, it's not going to roll because pencils always roll. Like we right. know that, right? Yeah. I take my, my pencil out and it'll just roll. This won't roll, which is also a nice touch. Yeah. It uses the Apple Pencil tip because Logitech just somehow can do that i don't know how they i genuinely don't know how they get all of the apple tech inside but the tilt is really useful i've tried other styluses in the past not having that tilt especially for annotating documents and highlighting is so annoying it it sucks i'm sorry <laughs> it's really bad so having that tilt functionality is great you get the tilt but you don't get the pressure sensitivity so you get less distracted in class by not doodling with uh, de- you know, the pressure sensitivity uh, things that you could do with the pencil. Yeah. Also, I'm not an artist, so it doesn't really matter to me yeah. all that much. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Um, but I'm at my desk. It's a bit different. Yeah, so at your house, you have just in your whatever bedroom, you have your desktop set up. So when my parents built this house, they actually converted what was supposed to be a laundry room into a desks like an office space for my sister and I and my sister's now at university so I'm kind of on my own so I've kind of taken advantage of the space and a lot better for me I it's in the mail right now and it should be here while by the time this episode comes out it's the Logitech K380 keyboard that can let me switch between multiple devices and it's bluetooth I get I bought it for ergonomic reasons but it also looks like it's going to be a really nice keyboard to type on I use the M355 uh, mouse also from Logitech Clearly, I love Logitech. Right. Um, but that's like my mouse of choice if I'm going to use one. It's cheap and it's portable. It's, it's small. It's nice. But I also have a dock for USB-C devices as well as a monitor. So my monitor 
it's Dell has terrible name schemes. They're almost as bad as Sony's, but uh, the Dell monitor like name, it's the Dell U2717D. Okay. It's a 27 inch 1440p monitor. Beautiful. Dis- it's, I have never seen a more beautiful display ever. It's, 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 it's a piece of magic. And then for my dock, it's the Dell WD15. And so that has a lot of extra ports. So Ethernet, and my HDMI and my um, charging and all of that is go- at my desk is going through that hub. Nice. Yeah. And with the Air, with the Touch ID, can you close your Air in like clamshell mode and just do all your authentication with it shut like that? Does that work with external monitors? Yeah, I was going to talk about that. I, was, I wanted to know if you were going to get on this because I think this is really interesting. The iPad Air, in my opinion... Because Face IDs, uh, iPads, the pros... You have to have it open and kind of looking at you in some way. So I actually think for that reason, the iPad Air is the best clamshell iPad to use, period. Right, because the older Touch ID, if you closed it, it was on the home button, which would be stuck under the the lid. Yeah. So when you close the iPad, which I've done in the past, your Touch ID is still usable. It will still work, right? Yeah. But what you do need to do, I I think if you've used clamshell mode, you know what this is. But for those who haven't, basically how it works is you need to have a keyboard connected at the least and a mouse too. And basically what that does is because Bluetooth keyboards, the space bar can automatically turn on your iPad, you use that as your power button. Yeah. And then your mouse you can use the touch id sensor on the power button and basically what that will allow you to do is it will let you authenticate and i can do all of my stuff on there and i find that the ipad air is actually a pretty nice experience with clamshell mode i want to talk about desktop the display a bit later yeah because i think there is some really important ergonomic discussion to talk about with ipad that's a very new subject for me in terms of how i think of ipad but I will say about mouse support, which is what makes mouse support specifically a lot worse. It's not actually gesture control. It's or gesture like those like those multi-touch gestures. Yeah. It's actually scrolling. It's not fast enough. Or... So if you think about a mouse, not fast enough. If you have an MX Master Three, right? You have that horizontal scroll wheel. Okay. Right. Yep. And so you can scroll through those menus. Like if you if you ever look at like the Apple Music like browse section. Right. There's a lot of things you have to scroll through like, yeah. horizontally. And so you can I think you can use a Logitech the, that scroll wheel to scroll through it horizontally. That M355 and a lot of other mice don't have that. And because they don't have that, it's actually so hard to navigate a lot of apps if you don't have if, if there's no horizontal. You have to basically hope that there's a see all option and then you can vertically scroll. Have you looked into if accessibility shortcuts, if you could program like a shortcut button on your mouse to do kind of fake scrolling. It does, but it's horrible. I can't, it, it won't let you let go. It yeah. actually <laughs> won't let you let go. It's horrifying. Okay. <laughs> Basically, what the Mac needs to do or what Apple needs to do with iPadOS 15, if they want to enhance that mouse experience, if you ever use a Mac before, they have like those buttons on the arrows, mm-hmm. right? So you can click and it will move or like you have... Like, even on vertical scrolling, there's that thing that you can tap and drag. Like, give me that on the iPad so I can actually horizontally scroll in some way. Yeah, I know you can grab the scroll bars, but I'm not sure if those appear on the horizontal scrolls. They don't. Yeah, okay. Which is very sad. They don't. So I'm kind of just like, I have to have sometimes, I have to pull up, like, with LumaFusion, 
I would love to just have it in clamshell, but yeah. I can't because I can't horizontally scroll through my timeline. Gotcha. That's just one example. Yeah. Um, that's kind of my, that's kind of my thought on mouse versus trackpad. It's really just about that horizontal scrolling. That's yeah. I gotta say, I have the trackpad too. I got on eBay for like probably 90 bucks or something. And it that's is good. very large. It just, it, it feels great. The, everything with the gestures and it's it's a good setup uh, eventually if you can finagle one so something in your notes about things you wish were better with ipad and i really agree with you on this is better peripheral support like I, i'm yeah. thinking scanners and like usb printers and what kind of things do you hope uh, to be able to hook up to the ipad one day yeah so i think printers are less becoming and scanners are less becoming important maybe scanners the off not really but because we're all online now, and I think a lot of work general is going to be more online-based and cloud-based, I think printers are going to become less and less important over time. But what I would love to see, what I would love to see is HDMI input specifically so I can input a uh, external webcam. And it's different why for a student that makes sense as opposed to a live streamer. Yes, a live streamer would definitely benefit because obviously... You can have your stream looking at you and not from a stupid side camera. Yeah. But where it really comes in handy is note taking. So in Notability, which is my PDF annotator of choice, if I'm in a Zoom call, first of all, I have to have Zoom in the foreground, which is stupid, but for them to see my face. But if I close that iPad up and put it flat so I can draw, yeah. because there's no external webcam, that camera's actually tilting upward and they can't see me. And, the, right. and my school yeah. regulates the on Zoom. It's a part of our code of conduct now. I have to be visible at all times. Mm. So I so that actually kind of makes it because of that specifically. That's one of the two tasks on my Mac that I need my Mac for is right. for Zoom, so they can always see me. Also, Zoom is generally better on Mac than iPad. There's a lot of missing features on there, but regardless, that's just the reason why I need a Mac mostly now is for Zoom. It's gotcha. a very it's, but I use it for everything else. Um, also. I'm going to say audio. So I find that dealing with microphones and headphones, like, it's like I want to be able to select it so it's different. Totally. So I can have my Yeti microphone that I'm using to record this podcast on my um, as my input, but have my speakers as my output. Gotcha. And yeah. that would just make things so much easier for YouTubers and for people who want to have a professional work from home setup. Yeah, definitely. Right? So having a combination of that mic with that mic and that camera would really just enhance that experience. And then also, web, uh, let's improve that external monitor support, but I want to wait for a specific conversation when I'm talking about that external monitor. Yeah. So, yeah, and you mentioned HDMI input, and that's something I would love to see happen. Even for the consumer-level thing of, I want to digitize my old home videos, and you could do that if you had video input, you know, hook hmm. up an old VHS uh, player to your iPad. That's or, true. There's a lot of use cases where capturing video externally would be great. You mentioned the streamer, yeah. you know, all the capture video game consoles would be huge. Like content creation would would boom with that addition. Yeah, I think that's really like I don't know if you've heard of Taylosib Tech, the YouTube channel. They have said publicly if they had the option to if they had external webcam support, it was actually one of the three things he said would switch him to iPad Pro fully and just ditch the Mac because he live streams on Twitch. Like it's such a huge thing. I think you would have a big amount of sales that fall if you just said, hey, we're going to let you now have external webcams. Yeah. I think it's a pretty simple thing to ask, too. Like, I don't think it, t- it takes, I don't think, even the audio, I don't think it's that hard to just enable yeah, it. You've agreed. done it on the iPad, on the Mac, sorry. 
So it should be pretty easy to port. So you meant ergonomics. What about yeah. ergonomics frustrate you on iPad right now? Yeah. So this is where I really want to talk about the monitor. So yeah. when we got trackpad support, right, that for me and my dad, who I was talking about this with before we recorded, the iPad now with a trackpad or mouse with a keyboard compares best to a traditional laptop, the Chromebooks, the, Ma- the PCs, the MacBooks. Why is that? So obviously you're not touching the screen as much because you're like on the mouse and keyboard and you're scrolling through, but A, tables and B, eye level. So when I'm on a Mac, you, what I've, I've recently learned that what you're supposed to do with ergonomics with, a, with your screen, that screen is supposed to be eye level. And yeah. obviously with an iPad, even more so than a MacBook, you're looking down, your neck is down. And that puts a lot, a lot of strain on your neck. And it's it actually, I've been getting like crazy amount of neck cramps in the last few weeks from it. Also with tables, and this is why I bought that K380, is if I'm writing a test my, and I'm on the table, if my table is too tall, my shoulders rise even more so. And that's also painful. And if I'm writing like that for two hours, which I do have to do sometimes for tests, they're a two-hour test, it's terrible for me on yeah. my shoulders. I have to like do like an hour walk and like stretch for an hour just to get all of that pain out. So it's fine. It's catched up, but that giving me that external monitor support in truth will just benefit me ergonomically. It'll improve the ergonomic lives of anybody who uses a monitor with their iPad. Definitely. Yeah. I, I've started using the Hoverbar Duo when I'm using the iPad. Uh, I have the Magic Keyboard, but I'll pop it off and put it in there for extended sessions for that better eye level where it can actually be at eye level. And I'm primarily just using keyboard and trackpad at that point and it's perfect and you can set it further away from you which is better for your eyes not having such close vision all the time uh relaxing Mm. your eyes a bit um but yeah also at that bigger screen too like if i have a bigger screen like my eye doctor has said i have to stop using my tablet so much because what the ipad so much because what happens is that smaller screen hurts your eyes like it strains them yeah. So having a bigger screen, it, it's it act, it's relaxing it. You're not really straining and squinting. Totally. It would it would just improve the lives ergonomically. And that hoverbar duo, as well as like Studio Dog, I think in some ways those are the best iPad stands. Not just because of the of the Studio Dog's connectivity, right? Which is insane. And yep. that thing is amazing if you buy it. It's like if you have the money to go for it, go for it. But with us who don't have that, it's like hoverbar duo. That's going to make your eyes better. It's going to make your whole body better. It's pro- it's a really neat purchase, I think. I think it's worth it. Yeah. I might buy it at some point. Yep. I mean, the smaller the screen, the more likely you are to inch in, getting closer to it. And that's not your ciliary spasms uh, close, uh, doing extended close-up time with screens like or books yeah. or anything. <laughs> like, Yeah. So it, it could be an issue. And uh, yeah. So hopefully that external monitor support that we've been talking about will finally hit this year uh, with iPad OS 15 and we'll have like extended desktops and it'll be a really groundbreaking thing for iPad to, to do. So let's dive into school in 2021. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was in high school, it was 2002 to 2006. And um, this was the era of Windows XP. And the Mac had not yet switched to Intel. That would be in 2006, I believe. Yeah. 
that's when my dad switched to Apple. Yeah, that's when I switched to Apple as well. I didn't have Mac until uh, 2006 for college. And uh, we didn't have iPhones or iPads yet. And computers in school were relegated to computer labs. And you'd probably get in trouble if you tried to bring a computer into the classroom. And it's pretty much all paper and pen based. And we turned in homework by printing out our stuff or writing out stuff by hand. What's it look like today pre-pandemic and then obviously we'll talk a bit about the pandemic life of virtual learning what i think is interesting and this is what you wouldn't expect it's insanely decisive divisive okay right? so yeah. you will dependent on the it's honestly like age dependent so if on I the teacher or the teacher yeah the teacher okay so so i have a my school is very weird. So my school, I have to do 11 subjects a year, um, which is in Can in Toronto, the average is like eight. So I'm doing a lot more schoolwork, obviously. Yeah, I remember having eight eight periods was a common thing. It's when eight I was periods in... a day before yeah. the pandemic, but 11 courses overall. Okay. And it wasn't semestered. It was all at the same time. So what would happen is, dependent on the teacher, some most teachers are fine with you using technology to write up your notes and stuff, but... There are a, a very good number of teachers who, if you are in person with them, you're handwriting everything, iPhones or any phones in a basket, your computers in your bag, you are handwriting everything. Tests were always handwritten. That hasn't changed yep. until like the pandemic. And I will say that it's a bit different for me. I have a uh, IEP and that IEP allows me to use the iPad for everything. So gotcha. I've never had to worry about switching to pen and paper. Yeah, I was going to wonder if you did, would you find some way to digitize your paper notes and just throw them away and add them through, through your iPad that way, probably? I can't answer that, though, because what would happen pre-pandemic, because most students were doing things, if it was a worksheet-based, everything was hand. Like, they wouldn't send you... They wouldn't send the worksheets most of the time. I would have to scan it and then, have to, and then give back the document to the teacher so she can okay. give it to another student yeah just economic wise like sorry not economic uh environmental wise that's something that that's probably a good thing for the environment we using and you just use a scanner that was at the school no i would scan on the ipad because the ipad oh. had, this was this gotcha. was before i got the ipad air yeah the ipad six generation actually is a decent camera scanner like I would, I used Genius Scan and then I used Apple Notes scanning. It it scans it well enough that I can see everything super super clear. Gotcha. And it's because it's just a single sheet or two at a time. It's not a big deal. It's just, yeah, but if it's like a fifteen page document, I would cry and I would sit and like not really literally cry, cry, but like in my head, I'd be like getting really annoyed when I'm, like people are starting to do the worksheets and I'm just like flipping through like right. fifteen pages to scan. When I had one of my teachers last year. It was a language class and they made me, they gave everybody this three and she didn't post it digitally at all. It was a 300 page worksheet. It was like everything for the year in like, like 300 pages. And I had to wait until I got home. My dad had a scanner, thankfully, and we just scanned all 300 pages, but it was a big pain. Yes. Yeah, uh, in college, I um, would go to the copy center where they had the ability to cut bindings off of textbooks. And I would just ask them, can you please cut the binding off? And I had a little document scanner that I could feed uh, loose papers into. 
And that's how I digitized my textbooks back before that was common. Yeah, that's that's a great way to do it. Um, but yeah, like you can like the scanning is good enough now on the iPad that you can easily scan things and it will look totally legible. Gotcha. So it kind of varies. Some teachers were would be good with iPads in classrooms. Some not. They'd be probably looking over. It's more computers. computers. Okay. If you have an IEP, yep. everything is fine, right? If it's on your IEP or independent, um, I think it's independent student planner or something yeah. like that. Um, your teachers understand because it's a part of your plan. It's like part of, of your accommodations as a student that you can have it. That's fine. But if you were just a normal kid in school, it really depends on what teacher you have. Gotcha. And is audio recording a common thing amongst students these days? You aren't allowed to. Whoa. That's so surprising to me. In the high school. So in my high school, because of privacy concerns, even you can't even have it in my, in my planner. Like I was talking to my uh, learning strategies teacher. It's a class for people who have those IEPs yeah. like, for strategies and stuff. I was I wanted to have taken it, but my drama course, COVID, and I was just like, no, nope, not a good idea. So I took it. And I was asking my teacher, hey, can we add audio recording? Because I'm an auditory learner. Yeah. And he said – we can't because the school doesn't allow you to for the privacy of other students. Wow. So in college, I'm pretty sure you can record all day long. My sister oh, yeah. does in uh, Noted on her Mac. But for me, I can't audio record at all. So Notability's voice recorder, nope. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, because I would assume that's like a common thing these days, like even in middle school. Like, just you probably grab... can't, you can probably get away with it online without a teacher knowing, but I would, yeah, because it'd just be in the background and who's really knowing, but yeah, gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, officially, you're not supposed to. So, um, pandemic times, virtual learning, that's how's that been going? How's what's that change been like for your school? My school, it was, I have to say. So I go to a private school, but it's not like those private schools where it's like super rich kids. It's just like a private school, but it's a lot more work yep. because the additional 11 subjects. But my school did incredibly well with transitioning online to in, like in person to fully online in March. It was like by the end of that weekend, everything was set up. Oh, wow. So my school uses ESBY and they've been using this since pre-pandemic times for communication from teachers to students. So everything would be posted to Edsby, Zoom links would be posted to Edsby, and we would just all get on Zoom and talk on Zoom. And for me, as an iPad user, it was super, super easy, especially since all of those worksheets, I could just download them and then put them on my on put them in notability and then just edit them that way. I know there are a lot of students who had a really tough time that I who use MacBook. Yeah. Who I had to help with like getting that transition ready, helping them find the workflows that would help them and stuff. Like it was it was a tough time for some students, but for me as an iPad user, it was a super clean transition. I already knew what I was gonna do. It was a pretty easy transition. I'll say that PDF converter, when I discovered that my dad bought that years ago on the app store, it became a big lifesaver because I could convert those Word files into PDF files and then put that into notability. Okay. So I saw that on your list of apps. So that's the the use case, someone sends you a Word document and then you can convert it. Um, without- Which I absolutely hate. I hate it when teachers are like, I know for, for if you're using a Mac, it makes more sense because you can just like type on it. But like as a person who uses an iPad, PDFs are like the best friends of iPad. Totally. It's like the best file type just to have on there. Whereas words, because you can't annotate Word. And your school doesn't give you a Office 365 subscription? No. Okay. I have one because my dad bought one for family and I don't use it. Okay. Because I was going to say, I you could just load the file up in Word and export it from there to PDF as well. Yeah. My teachers have a Word 
have an office account. They all have it, I think. Yeah. But I think, and I know this is a question thing we're going to talk about later, G Suite, had, or now Google Workspace, I think mm-hmm. it's called, has now absolutely dominated the high school marketplace. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to dive into that because um, I know it's, it's it's very popular. And I'm curious too, computer labs, are those a thing in your school? Like It's very dependent. So there is a contact course in our school. So that's just like learning how to use Photoshop and Final Cut, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Those, or like engineering, like that, there is computer labs, but only for those classes. You have to have one of your own. The school will provide you a Chromebook if you don't have a computer. Okay. But you can't, but there is no such thing as a computer lab. My middle school this year finally abandoned the computer lab. It took them the pandemic to do it. Yeah. They had Windows 7 PCs until the year I graduated. And then that year they went for a portable one, but, and that was all Windows 10. And then mm-hmm. this year they gave everybody Chromebooks and said, you know what, we're done with this computer lab. It was a dumb idea anyway. Here you go. I always like the computer labs just as a quiet place to work in front of a nice big monitor. I, I even with laptops and stuff being a thing. I'd go in there in college, even just working in a computer lab with my laptop in the center of the room. Just it's nice. It's like a yeah. library almost that way. And my school has a library, and there are computers there for people to use because uh, their printing system. Yeah. You need to use one of their computers to do the printing because it's all over USB, mm-hmm. and people will work off of it. It's a very, it's a quiet space. It's a nice sized library and you can get your work done, but it's closed for COVID reasons right right now. Makes sense. Yeah. So when you were going to school, did you find the iPad could last on a single charge all day? Yeah. uh, It doesn't, believe it or not. It's, I believe it because if you crank the brightness, which you might need to do in certain lighting situations, you can kill an iPad in less than a day. (laughs) It's not actually because of the brightness, believe it or not. Okay. What is it for you? So I can say when I got the iPad Air, it took me three months before I got my keyboard case. So I still was using that iPad 6 generation, which is why I could talk about the Logitech Crayon like switching. Yeah. If you have any keyboard hooked up via Bluetooth or by smart connector, it drains that battery. Like it's nothing. Like I was already at five per- and I'm a heavy user. Like I'm using my iPad more than my phone. So yeah. I would I would be by 4 p.m. easy percent. I'd be curious, just as a test, hooking up like a USB keyboard, if that would drain it more or less. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty. Someone should do that experiment. I'm not. I do not have the courage. Right. To try. I've tried using USB mice before because uh, the Bluetooth on the M355 doesn't work, and I need that fixed. Okay. Yeah. And it's the the battery's fine with that, but I don't know what it would be like with the keyboard. Yeah. I don't know. So Chromebooks are like given out as a thing in the school. Um, do you, as you see people working in libraries and things, is that what you see most of, or are people bringing in their own tech? The iPad is the least popular option, and I want to talk about this later. This whole yeah. idea of like the iPad stigma, but the iPad. If I had to guess what my school is like, and I've talked to some friends of mine who are in public school, and they say it's pretty similar. I'm going to say, for understanding sake. The MacBook is like a good 70% of my school. Okay. A lot of people there have Apple devices, so they're using an iPhone and a Mac. Yeah. I would say about 20% are using Windows. I would say about is 7 the to 8%. the primary Windows, or is it just random laptops? I think it's Dell. Dells, okay. And then I'm going to say that the Chromebooks are like 7 to 8%. Yeah. And then the iPad is just zip. Like, I'm going to say tops. Tops 30 students in my school are using it. Do you think it's because of the lack of built-in keyboard and it's kind of like 
build your own machine kind of set up with iPads? No. No? Okay. And this is always saying about the iPad stigma. So when we were, it was too, we're, we're going to take, I'm going to take things back to 2010 for the sake of sure. understanding where I'm coming from. Yeah. Here. When the iPad was announced, I was four years old and the oldest kids at that time were seven. So we grew up when, when, so an iPad was announced and released in April and parents would get a hold of it. What would they do? A, they would give it, they would give it to their kids to play with. Right? right, watch YouTube videos, play games. Yeah, it was a toy, and it was just it sounded, I think, especially like that from the press. Like I've heard, because I don't remember the iPad coming out, but yeah. I, I read articles from 2010, and it was like big iPhone, big iPod. It's a useless product. But it's funny, the original right? keynote they uh, had a whole iWork section with the keyboard dock and everything, but that oh, gets really? forgotten. Had that? Yeah, from day yeah. one, that was a thing. But yeah, you're you're not wrong in thinking that's. The perception was not that though. It was yeah. forgotten very quickly with that. And then mice and then as we grew up with it, right, we're all like five and six, we're playing with it. And we always see, and my sister especially sees this because she's never used an iPad before. I don't I don't think she's ever used an iPad. When she was given the option for her birthday between a tablet and a laptop, she chose the laptop. And like she sees it out. She's very confused as to how I get my work done on here. She saw me editing a LumaFusion video like three days ago. She's like, are you really editing a video on your iPad? I'm like, yup, it works so well. Just give it a try. Yeah. Uh, but like that stigma still exists. Like the iPad is a toy and the Mac is for professional stuff. And I think with iPad OS, it really started to maybe fade away. I've had a friend who's actually switched from iPad to Mac in the last two years. He had an iPad yeah, and he got a MacBook for high school and he went full Mac minus entertainment, iPad-y stuff. Yeah. And then annotating PDFs with his finger. He refuses to use an Apple pencil and I'm so annoyed at him for it. Yeah. But like, that's all he uses his iPad for. He never touches it anymore. And it's so weird. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, people like different things, I guess. I think it's going to change with Gen Alpha. Like, I, I think the guy from Nosby, right? Yeah. Last episode, he was talking about how his four-year-old is so well accustomed to iPad already as a thing, right? right? Yep. And I don't know if she's using it to draw at all. His daughter, I know, was. He said that in the podcast. But like, she's going to be so good at using that as a computer when she becomes 14 years old and she's going to start using it in high school. Because she's cousin, growing up in the era of the iPad yeah. starting with an iPad Pro being a thing. Yeah. And my cousin who is like three years younger than me. She's in grade eight right now. Whoa, one second. That's a clock. <coughs> um, she's using the, she just got her first computer. And what was it? An iPad Pro because her mom didn't know that iPads were, Apple Pencil was supported on all Apple iPads. So they got her the Pro with the pencil for Procreate. And I was talking with her aunt and I was explaining it to her. And she's like, yeah, you've convinced me. That's her computer for high school and you're going to help her set it up. And I'm like, awesome. great. So like she's not that much younger than me. And I think there's such a big difference between 2005 and 2008. I think, yeah. it's, I think there's enough of a difference. Gen alpha is really, I think where iPad is going to find its home. I think it's going to be hard for Gen Zers to do that, but we'll see what happens. I'm very curious what the future will be for iPad amongst the kid population. Yeah. Is touch typing on the screen, something you ever do, or is it all hardware keyboards for you? Yeah. So when I, on like a summer break when I had summer break last year, when we were all home, I never had my computer hooked up to a keyboard. Never. I was touch typing everything because when I'm 
with my keyboard, I'm in professional mode, right? I'm in school mode. And when I take it off, and I still take it off now, I'm on break right now, it feels more like a tablet to me. And I'm using that touch. When I emailed you about uh, my notes and stuff for the podcast, I was doing that on touch. I do my LumaFusion edits sometimes with my touch, with touch. Because it's it feels more interactive sometimes, and I and I and I don't. By the way, I never pretty much edit with the full screen keyboard. It's always in that condensed keyboard yeah. for ergonomics. It's so uncomfortable to type with like a big keyboard like that. Will you do screen. swipe typing at all on that thing? Swipe typing, yeah. yeah, it's all swipe typing. Although I do it less on my iPhone, which is odd. Yeah, that is kind of peculiar. Um, so how integral is? email in school these days are you like emailing in assignments or is all that done through the portal for dealing with teachers so all high schools in toronto i think have turned it in like they've all purchased it if you've never heard of turned it in basically it's a uh a website where you can upload pdfs and word files and such and such and it will check for plagiarization and so a lot of english a lot of my last year i was using turned it in a lot for essays and stuff like that my English class especially, lots of turn it in. I think the Edsby platform is also a pretty common place within my school to upload those files. But I've ha- I have one teacher this year, and it's the most annoying thing ever because he doesn't use the school email. He has his own personal email that doesn't always get the emails. It's stu- it's the same teacher where it's like I'm typing for two hours on his tests. Yeah, like he makes us go through his email. He refuses for Edsby. He refuse if you send it to his Edsby, he doesn't consider it handed in. Like you have to use this specific email address, which isn't school owned, know, which is not school. You think the privacy concerns would be there for that teacher? Yeah, and it's just like I'm like a. I don't know. It doesn't always work. Like there are kids who will have to wait. 20 minutes after class to send it in because his email address doesn't work all the time. Mm. And like, I'm like, if you just send it through Edsby, it will always work because you have a confirmation when you submit it. Yeah. But email for me, isn't really that common with, with my high school. We get newsletters from the school through email and we get that kind of thing. But yeah. I think it's more still teacher oriented email. It's with Gmail. I think teachers are more directly talking with each other through that as opposed to Edsby, but I think a lot of teacher-student communication is happening through Edsby for me, Google Classroom probably for students. I think G- I think email in high schools amongst students is dying almost as fast as Office 365 is. <laughs> like, it's very yeah. fast dying out, especially okay. in COVID, too. Right. Especially in COVID. So this Esby portal thing, how does that play on the iPad? That's just a website you go to, or is there an app as well? There's an app. And it's trash. Okay. Um, yep. So there's a website and um, each school has their own unique uh, beginning. So it's your school.edsby.com. So that's just how it works. And then you log into your portal and you have all of your classes in the sidebar. And then a bunch of groups, kind of like Slack groups that you've, that you've subscribed to. Then you can talk with kind of like a Discord server in uh, underneath. And then you have a river up top, which will just give you school announcements. You have a calendar if you want to use it on the right and then in the main middle column it's your feed so your teacher's zoom links your teacher's handouts and then you can specifically click on a class and get more information guided to that class so it's it's a very neat idea but the speed is super lackluster and the ipad and iphone apps are terrible my school does its report card system through this platform which is i think a neat feature that it has 
but you can only open it through the website, not on the phone hmm. and not on the iPad app. And it's infuriating. If I could show you what it looks like, yeah. I would, because it's horrifying. <laughs> like even on an A14 ship, it will take 10 seconds to load a class. Huh. It's mind boggling. That's uh, bizarre. But yeah, thankfully Safari, Safari handles everything in there nicely. Uh, better than you'd think. Better than I would think, but it's yeah. still not great. What's kind of your core set of apps you rely on to get your schoolwork done? Yeah. So this is partially where I'm trying to find uh, my groove, but I can say the ones that I know for certain I can mention here. So Notability, as I said, is my PDF annotator. I can't do math or science without it. It's such a powerful app to use. The one thing I would say, if Ginger Labs is listening to this podcast, I know you love your multi-note. I heard it in the episode with on this podcast, but please, please give me the ability at the least within multi-note to have the same note in that side-by-side because when I was using Apple Notes, it'd be so helpful to reference that note on yeah. one side and have the PDF to fill out on the right. Mm, yeah, That's a really neat thing that you that you should enable and it would make a lot of uh, that work easier for me and probably other students who use Notability. With Notability, uh, it's purely PDF annotations, or do you also do handwritten notes outside of the PDFs themselves? Yeah, so that will be my handwriting space, but I don't do a lot of handwriting, okay. really. Yeah. If I am, it's likely with Scribble, and I think the Scribble feature is one, is so underrated. It's so nice to have, especially Notability, too, if I want to have like a text box. Yeah. like that's I, I think Scribble... I know it has a lot of hate for it's like it's so limited in its use case because like the there's not a lot of space to write it. Sure. And I think it could use a bit more refinement, but it's a very nice feature to have on iPad. Cool. Yeah. What's next up? Uh, MindNode. And I'm basically using MindNode for brainstorming ideas. So mm-hmm. if I have a project, I'm going to break it down in MindNode, figure out, okay, what are the details for this? I use it for my YouTube too. If I want, if I'm feeling like that's something I want to do, I will just break down my video into a, into a mind map. As I said before, PDF converter, self-explanatory. I'm converting anything that needs to be converted into a PDF into a PDF. Uh, I use shift screen. I only discovered this in the last few days, and I know that I'm going to be using it. So if you haven't heard of shift screen, I'm going to pronounce it for you, so it might be hard to hear. So S-H-I-F-T-S-C-R-E-E-N. So what this app will do is it uses the external, it's a browser, but it's only for external monitors. So if you plug in an external monitor, first thing it will do, full 16 by 9 instantly. So it covers the whole display, and then you can add windows into shift screen. If you go back to episode 83, uh, I did interview the developer if people want to dive deeper into what this app is all about. Um, but yeah, continue on with uh, with how you use it and what it's all about. Yeah, so I, where I think I'm going to use shift it, it can like you can have like, it's all web apps. So I will have like the web version of like Google Docs on there if I need to use Google Docs or I really wouldn't. And like YouTube Studio, I will have on there too. And you can manipulate it kind of like an iPad OS multitasking. You can have two separate desktop windows, quote unquote, and have eight tabs, eight different windows open within one desktop. It's super powerful. It, it will work with uh, slide over stuff. And where I'm going to probably be using it is if I have to zoom on my iPad, which I don't love to do, but mm-hmm. if I need to, I will have Zoom open in split view with shift screen yeah. and have shift screen on the monitor and have it in the, in the smallest column because I can still manipulate it that way. Mm-hmm. And I will just have like the stuff that I need that is a web app there and then have my Zoom on the iPad. 
Next is Calendars 5, which is my calendar uh, thing. Um, I use Google Workspace, although I really hate it, and I wish I didn't need to use it. But <laughs> if I'm doing anything collaborative, I'm using G Workspace. iWork is where I do my work, as opposed to Google Workspace or Office. I like iWork on iPad. Reminders is my to-do list. Microsoft has the best calculator on iPad. Huh. I, you, can fight, you can fight me with this. So Microsoft is completely free. That's the first thing. No ads. No in-app purchases. It has algebra, fractions. It has every scientific program I can think of. The only thing that it's missing is keyboard support. But like for what it is, the fact that it's free and I can do all of that functionality. They have a website too, which is what's what I think it's the, coming uh, from. What's the app called? I think it's called Microsoft Maths Solver. Okay. So Microsoft and then M A T H S. And in space, S-O-L-V-E-R. Okay. And so you can scan, like in Photomath, which is a really popular app I know students will use on iPhone, where you can scan a problem and it will tell you how to do it. It yeah. has that functionality in there, as well as drawing. So it works with Apple Pencil. You can draw out your problems, and it will, it will, it will recognize the right handwriting and give you the answer based off of that. And then it has your normal scientific calculator functionality, which is amazing. If you need a calculator on iPad, I really recommend taking a look at it. Um, Edsby, as I said, and then Focused Work, which is a really neat app made by a guy named Michael Tigas, I think is how you pronounce his last name. And it's a productivity manager. Our, um, so when I was in school, the biggest piece of tech that we brought in the classroom were the uh, Texas Instruments uh, graphing calculators that were like 100 bucks. Are those a thing still in math class? Do people get those? Yeah, so... We don't use graphing calculators. There's an app. Uh, I think it's I think it's, it's a website called Desmos. And I can say this because I just did grade 10 math. So I can tell you what this is. So it is a graphing calculator. You can input your X and your Y. And then it will tell you the chart. And you can expand and out expand. And they do have an iPad app. So okay. you can use Desmos with it. And it's a, it's a, it's a nice app. Yeah. Um, I think it works a bit better on the website, but it's good enough on iPad that I can, I could, I got, I got by with it. Okay. And the hardware is not a thing anymore. People don't, don't, at least in your school, don't do this. Cause I, that would be a thing. We'd bring the graphic calculators to test and you need to use it for certain problems uh, that kind of showed that you understand how to use the calculator almost. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't had to use a graphic calculator person because my math class was all online. So the way my school works is I have two classes in the morning and then I have one in the afternoon. And then that morning would rotate between two cohorts right now. And then that afternoon class is all online every day. And my math was that all online every day class. So okay. I was always using Desmos for that. So yeah. I don't know what it's like in person. I'd assume we're using Desmos because it's, it's easier, but I haven't seen graphing calculators at my school at all. Well, uh, where can people find your YouTube channel? Yeah, so if you want to find me on YouTube, I am at iOS at work. Uh, I recommend filtering by the channel to find me. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at iOS underscore at underscore work. And on Instagram, I'm just at iOS at work, all one word. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time today. It's been great learning about how you get your work done on the iPad. Glad to help. Apple, take more focus to the high school round. It's a great place to help. Well, that was my discussion with Jonathan. My thanks to him for his time recording this episode, and my thanks to you for tuning in. As a reminder, you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash iPadPros, and by leaving a review over in Apple Podcasts. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.